Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. So it is my honor and my privilege to present to you the very first inductee into the WWE Hall of Fame Class 2008. And more importantly, he's my friend. As long, as long as you keep on winning, the next time you lose a match, your career is over. And you know what? I didn't even get to see one dick, you know? So I, I, I sometimes have to dumb down more than I actually should, just to just to be safe. I do come across really fucking stupid. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening. This is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Sai. I am Sai, and oh my goodness, by the power and glory of Shawn Michaels' shiny, sweaty, bold spot, do we have a fantastic, fantastic show for you today. With me, as always, is the showstopper to my need for beta blockers the nature boy to my unwanted naturist ploy nobody actually wanted to see it and it hurt my feelings a touch oh you're gonna be as rude as you like with me oh. who says i have another new show coming soon this takes me to 86 podcasts a week now i'm very busy mr max how are we doing my friend Wow, coming in with the negging right at the end as well, as, <laughs> as if I'm Matt Willis. I, I am only trying to keep in Matt Willis's shadow. Uh, but yeah, I have got a new podcast there, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that later on. But yeah, I'm doing well. How are, you, how are you? I'm pretty good, mate. I'm pretty good. I'm absolutely buzzing, to be honest, about bringing this show with yourself to the wonderful glorious chain wrestling listeners who we love and adore because um we've got a couple of new things we're we're trying today we're letting people get involved again with the um poll for where we go next time uh, we've got a fantastic wrestling match to watch well talk about as well um my option one for the second week in a row i don't think that's happened since like you know the show started like how many weeks ago? Um, as salty as I was about it last last week, I'm actually kind of glad because you were you you played your cards perfectly well uh, with with the that, with the pick of, of Flair versus uh, Michaels because it's a bang of a match, one of my favourite WrestleMania moments of all time. Yeah, mine too, mine too, and that's that's why I'm just so excited about about getting to, to talk about it with you, Max, because I know how much you love this match. I adore this match. And watching it back again earlier today, um, just 
just really made me happy I, I love it so i can't wait to get to it um we do have a couple of things we need to cover before we get there though um before we go uh too far into the weeds away from last week we had a topic last week of um terrible dating stories and so on didn't we disastrous dates uh mm-hmm bad first date memories or anything like that um we had a message to us on twitter from a listener of the show a, a good friend of the show it came a little late for us to read out on last week's episode it came actually after we'd uh, we'd already recorded but it's not it's not a bad dating story it's actually a great dating story so i wanted to quickly read through it now before we get on to today's topics um simply because it just sort of balances out some of the horror shows that we were discussing mainly my horror shows that we were discussing last week um, the tweet comes from Handy T1TF at Handy T1TF on Twitter. Um, he said he had many horrible ones, referring to dates and so on, but his best is a very good one. A buddy wanted to set him up on a blind date with his cousin. Turns out neither of he or or the person he was tr- getting set up with trusted him or had ever been on a blind date before. So I'm assuming they were both incredibly hesitant and you know, umming and about wherever to go, Mags. Um, Eventually, though, they both still said yes to the blind date. Five years later, they were married. 30 years later, they're still together. What a brilliant story. What a, what a lovely, lovely story. That's an amazing story. Really, really, really cool. Um, yeah, what a cool, cool way to end the horrific uh, relationship uh, issues that, that the listeners have had. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um How's your week been then, buddy? You know, it's a lovely, sunny, glorious bank holiday day we are recording on today. Uh, what have you been up to? Yeah, it's been, uh, uh, we've finally come out of lockdown, so we are able to uh, go and like, stretch our legs a little bit. So me and the wife went for our first um, like date out in since lockdown. So we went for a, a, an, uh, an Indian, which was uh, really delicious. Um, today, with it being bank holidays, I've uh, um, just spent time catching up on, on Double or Nothing, um, watching uh, the match we've got planned to, to talk about earlier on today, doing a little bit of uh, graphics work for for an upcoming uh, podcast project. So yeah, but, uh, it's been nice and steady today, nice and, and chilled. Ah, good stuff, good stuff. I watched um, Double or Nothing last night uh really really enjoyed the show um stayed up with my youngest again to to watch the show live um yeah i I enjoyed it mate what what were your thoughts really Uh, sort of overall uh individually matches or whatever what were your thoughts on on the event okay so overall i thought this was arguably one of uh aw's uh best events uh i thought it was a a really kind of a well-balanced flowing event um, there were a few uh, down spots. I, I, I didn't particularly like the the Cody uh, Broads versus Anthony Gogo match. Uh, it, I just didn't see the point of of, of Cody beating Anthony Gogo. The story kind of all was painted that Cody was 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 going heel. He's obviously going off to to uh, spend some time with uh, with Brandy uh, whilst they they have their uh, their baby soon. So it, it kind of like made sense for Anthony to go over. I get why Cord is the the face of the of the, the company and and he's the the fans' favorite, I suppose. But it just it just didn't sit well with me. I didn't think it it it, 
it, it, it kind of like uh, paid off, especially when you, you consider that uh, Cody's beaten so many kind of newcomers and big guys and really kind of, it, I feel it, it sometimes halts their momentum, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but going going through um, match by match, I thought the the um, the NWA uh, title match on the bane was 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 really really good um, for arguably one of the the better matches on the card. Um, going into Adam Page versus Brian Cage, great opener, really kind of entertaining. Cool to see that little kind of hint of a face turn from uh, Brian Cage. Uh, the tag match. Uh, was was really really fun. Um, um, I would have liked to have seen Kingston and Moxley win, but it is what it is. Uh, but it was a, a great match. Maybe a little bit too long. I thought when uh, when Mox started uh, bleeding, maybe that was kind of like the signal to the end. But they carried on for for quite a while afterwards. Yeah, uh, I was surprised by the Casino Battle Royal. I thought it was tacked on that Christian Cage was going to win, uh, but it's cool that um, Jungle Boy. One, I think his uh, kind of momentum has died down a little bit uh, since uh, the time when he challenged Jericho. Uh, but it's cool to see him back in back in the hunt. Um, I thought that the uh, the Joker, with it being Leo Rush, was was really really good. I uh, thought he came in. He was he was exciting. I hope we see a lot more of him in AEW. Um, going on to, I mean, I spoke about the Cody one, the Miro versus Lantarcher match. Yeah, another one that really didn't kind of bother me. Uh, I was never a, a huge Rusev fan in the first place. I don't think his character has kind of worked for me in AEW just yet. Although like now he's on his own, I'm I'm kind of like drawn to him a little bit more. Uh, but I think this this weakens Lance Archer again because he kind of is, he reaches like a pinnacle and then he drops down again. And for someone who's who's meant to be a murder hawk monster. He's, he's, I think he's quickly seen his ceiling. Um, going for the uh, AW Women's Title match um, at, at the beginning, I really wasn't enjoying this match. I thought that uh, Britt Baker was kind of our more sandbagging uh, Hikaru Shida uh, and, and really not working with her. But as the match got on, uh, as we got the involvement with with uh, with uh, Re- uh, Rebel, I thought the match was really really improving, and it was clear that Britt Baker is going to be the champion. She's been an absolute superstar since since getting the injury and needing the time off. I think she's really worked on her character. Um, she's one of the kind of like the stars that uh, AW have, have made in this kind of like COVID era. And yeah, the, I'm, I'm all for her, uh, the uh, DMD era. Um, Sting, wow. Yeah. What is 62 years old, this guy, and he was doing cross bodies off steps. Um, it was, yeah, outstanding. I mean, um, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky looked looked amazing in, in defeat, so they, they definitely got put over. But, yeah, Sting proved that he can still go. And Darby Allen, you, get, you got everything you expected from him, just uh, a guy wanting to kill himself in the ring uh, for our entertainment. So I, you can't fault that. Uh, the tile match, very little wrong with it. It was it was as good as you would expect a match with three talents of the calibre of, of uh, Kenny, uh, uh, Cassidy and Pac to be. So well played. Uh, I didn't particularly like the finish with the belts. I felt it was a... Uh, a little bit kind of self-grandiazing, I suppose. But I, I, it it 
it made the point. And then the stadium stampede uh, actually was worried for this match the most, I think, because of just how good the original stadium stampede was and kind of uh, whether they'd be able to like, emulate that. Uh, but do you know what? They changed it up and it, it was a really well done match. Uh, I, I love that. The, all the little uh, the segments that each each person had. Uh, I thought Sammy come off looking like an absolute superstar. He's definitely a, a world champion in the, in the near future. And it keeps the, the inner circle and uh, pinnacle feud going. My concern would be now, how do you end this feud? Because we've had uh, war games, we've had stadium stampede. What's the blow off match? Do you understand what I mean? We haven't had like the, it normally kind of builds to a crescendo, but it seems like we've had the crescendo way too early and it's just going to like peter out almost. But on the whole, this was a really entertaining card. Yeah, I agree with... After that long-winded explanation. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with basically everything you just said, I think, mate. I don't think there's anything I can disagree with. Um, Again, I I, I was a bit like, Stadium Stampede, I ain't sure how this is going to go. But there was enough there to keep me entertained. I mean, there's one bit I didn't really like. You know when they had the bar fight bit? Mm -hmm. That bit... uh, That bit was, you know, it was all right. The Conan being there was sound and... And they're all doing a shot before getting in a scrap and so on. Okay, yeah, a bit of all that sort of stuff. I didn't like Tully Blanchard and the Revival and whatnot stood at the bar just milling around. They're supposed to be in a match. That yeah, kind of made me and, think, and, what's that about, you know? Yeah, for me, that was just a throwback to the the, the Hangman one, the Hangman mm. bit from the first one. Um, I, I do get what you mean. And and there were, there were quite a few things like that where you could tell they were almost waiting for the for the camera to to be in position, uh, like the stuff with um, with Jericho and MJF when uh, he bonked uh, MJF on the head with a a, a cardboard cutout of um, Shay uh, Khan. I thought yeah. that it was it was almost some stuff was a little bit too on the nose for me. I mean, and then you he, there was magically. Um, exactly the the place where they got the the baseball bat it was just behind the cupboard knowing that they'd been there the 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 placing of the um of the uh bolt cutters was exactly in the place it needs to be so there's a little bit of where you have to kind of like switch your brain off and uh and and just accept it for what it is but when you're coming up against uh, a match that was so well loved as as the the first stadium stampede uh, match was you have you had to go all out to to make it different, and I've actually uh, listened to parts of the the uh, the post uh, the post event press conference, and and Jericho said they brought in the the fight coordinator from John Wicking to to uh, um, basically like direct the 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 action, which I thought was a, a cool little touch. Oh, why? Oh, that's pretty cool. And with regards to the bolt cutters, I took that as. Sean Spears picked the bolt cutters up and then saw the chair and threw them away and they just mm-hmm. slid over to where they were. So that would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? He placed them yeah, there himself. Yeah, so, no, you know. but it, it's just it's just the typical kind of like action movie MacGuffin where something is magically in exactly the right place that it needs to be in. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, no, no, I understand. Yeah. I mean, again, on the whole, I, I enjoyed the show. It was great. Um, my daughter has now thoroughly turned on the bucks or the bucks have turned on her <laughs> i suppose um she's 
I think I've said numerous times before, but she was a massive Young Bucks fan, a massive Cody fan, loved Kenny as well. Um, and now she's very much, I suppose she's, she's getting, she's given the reactions that AEW want because she now hates the Bucks. She hates them. She feels betrayed by them. You know, um, she hates Kenny because of the way he's behaving. And she's all about John Moxley now. She loves John Moxley. She thinks Eddie Kingston is the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> so when the Bucks retained last night, she was actually quite angry about that. Um, and she's a big Orange Cassidy fan. So when Orange Cassidy looked like he had it won, she was literally on her feet in the middle of our front room, stood there, her arms raised, waiting. And oh, then when... Cool. When the three came, bear in mind, I thought she was dozing off because she was curled up on the two seater to the side of me with a little teddy bear and a blanket over her and stuff. Because it was getting, you know, it was pushing our four at a stage, I think, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh, UK time, obviously. Um, but yeah, she jumped up. She was, she was proper invested. So it was really, really well worth uh, staying up and watching that event and, and well worth my 20 quid. So, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't fault it, to be fair, mate. I think it was a, a wonderful few hours of wrestling. Yeah. Cody sure. Rhodes, uh, yeah, well, a go-go shouldn't have lost that match, in my opinion. Um, I'm not a big fan. I mean, it's 2021. I'm not a big fan of the whole USA is amazing, everyone else sucks ass sort of <laughs> stuff. Unless, of course, it comes from our good buddy Hulk Hogan when he saved the world in 1991. Um, <laughs> I could tolerate watching that back. But in 2021, it's... Uh, it's not acceptable, I don't think. And th- this whole, what, when he cried and he, he did his promo the other week and he started crying a little bit, talking about his his kid and the, the race in general and so on. I just, I'm not saying that he wasn't sincere. I, I, he, perhaps he genuinely is feeling that way. But it didn't resonate with me and make me think, oh yeah, go Cody. It actually just made me think, oh mate, shut up. Do you know what I mean? It was that kind of. He did face a lot of backlash for for that uh, promo, obviously on online, uh, and it actually is, it's come out since that he he ran that past like a a Forkers group, uh, so it's not as kind of like heartfelt and 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 genuine as as well, it sounds the, on the show. Which is, this is the thing he really said. Weird. He initially said focus group, didn't he? Mm-hmm. And then. After people started saying to him, focus group, what you're on about, he's actually backpedaled and said he spoke to legends in the back about it and they all told him to do it as opposed to a focus group is what I read more recently. So, I mean, it all, either, it's all a bit way, The fact that he's, he's gone to people and said, hey, this is the program I'm going to be pulling off rather than just going out with a with a mark and saying uh, the thir- first things that come to your head, uh, uh, feeding off emotion, he's, he's re- pre-written it. So mm-hmm. the fact he hasn't re- read it to himself and gone, that's a, it's a little bit on the nose, that. Yeah, I might, <laughs> I might, I might leave that out, especially when you, he's talking about having a, a, mix, a mixed-race child, which is, uh, in this day and age, absolutely superb. Uh, and... Um, you love who you love, but his his whole argument was that he was going up against Anthony Gogo, who is himself a mixed race person. So the, it kind of like made the point Corey was making null and void. Yeah, um, I just didn't get it. Uh, and one thing I, I do want to ask you though about this uh, about this show, um, going back to the young books, did you notice that uh, uh, Nick Jackson has grown his beard out? Yes. Right. And did you notice the the difference in colour between his hair and his beard? Yes. Okay. So 
being an old school uh, wrestling fan, who did he remind you of? Oh, see, I don't think it's as drastic a difference, but we have a different coloured hair to beard combo. Uh, my mind instantly goes to Michael Hayes at first. Yeah. I, mean, um, that, I have two people in mind. Michael Hayes is one. Okay, who's the other? The other was uh, the Disciple. The Disciple? Oh, oh, Brutus Beefcake. But just specifically when he was like Hogan's... Uh, best buddy in in wcw nwl okay yeah now i see that yeah okay it i'm not gonna lie i think i think the beard and the dyed hair because i am like an old school wrestling fan and so on i love what the bucks are wearing at the moment yeah, i think it's yeah. obnoxious it's conceited it reminds me it's like a modern take on early 90s dickhead Shawn michaels yeah. you know and i think that's great yeah, I, I, I'm digging what the what the what the books are doing. I think for for far too long they played up to the uh, the kind of like cool kid internet uh, wrestling fans, uh, and now they're being naturally cocky douchebag heels. And I think it's a great look for them. Yeah, Going back definitely. to kind of like the their almost early Bullet Club days. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I just like the conceited, arrogant. You know, I'll tell you what. Actually, something that you won't have heard yet, um, and may not hear. I may cut it out and put it on the end as an outtake of the episode, like I have done with a couple of recent episodes of SJP. If anyone doesn't listen right to the end of SJP, sometimes there's outtakes where I screw up, tagged on the end. So if you if you cut off through the music, you're sometimes you're, you're missing out on me screwing up. But um. Speaking of like the conceited, arrogant dickheads and all that, I was talking to a guest who's not been on the show before, and it was a brilliant discussion. Um, and, but you'll be aware of who they are when they come on uh, when I when I release it shortly. Um, we were talking about my liking for the bad guys when I was younger. Um, my my you know the way I liked the sort of arrogant, conceited Rick Rude, uh, Shawn Michaels, Flair, and so on. Um, I quite openly stated to this person who told me they were nervous beforehand about talking to me on the show, um, as someone I've not spoken to at length before. I quite openly stated, bold as brass, I like dicks on my show, <laughs> and then I carried on talking. And it wasn't until about 30 seconds afterwards I twigged what I'd said. And then I'm thinking, it's too late now for me to go back and correct that. So I just had to leave it in. But I don't know if I'm going to edit it out and stick it on the end or what, but yeah. <laughs> I would be, I would zoom right into the timeline as far as you can on Audacity. I would be picking that clean out and making, <laughs> it, look at, making it look as, uh, as uh, polished as possible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not a great look, mate. Not a great look. Um, speaking of not a great look um, and things like that, before we get on to uh, the interactions we've had from our fantastic people in Twitter land, there is a bit of an issue I wish to very quickly address. I don't want to spend too much time on it, Mags, because we've got a bumper show today um, and a lot of things to cover that are positive and great. So I don't want to hang on the negative, but I do feel something needs to be said about this. Uh, similar to in the past when i've had issues with um certain people online and i felt i've needed to voice my opinion about wrestling fans picking on other wrestling fans um and also i felt like i need to have a bit of a rant about uh ben shepherd um with regards to some of the things that he has said in the past i'm afraid we've got a little bit of a pimple dick alert here mags pimple dick alert oh 
a teeny weeny. You are fully aware. I know you are because I wouldn't have discovered this fella if it wasn't for you and your awesome podcast shows. Uh, you are fully aware of Mr. Craig William of Craig Pro Wrestling of at Craig Pro Wrestling Musings on Twitter. Yep, I am absolutely top bloke. He's been on. Uh, he, he's spoken to you numerous times on shows of yours. He's he's been on um, my other show and spoken to me. He, he's a lovely fella. Um, and again, he's one who, who openly stated to me he was nervous about coming on the show. Um, he's said on Twitter previously he's not as thick-skinned as he would like to be, potentially. Um, but, I mean, each their own. Everyone's different, aren't they? Some people can handle situations better than ever. Some people react. Everyone reacts different, don't they, Max, I guess? Yeah, um, The Cody versus Dustin match from Double or Nothing in 2019 Craig, for those who aren't aware, Pro Wrestling Musings is a fantastic website where Craig, who runs it, takes the time and effort to piece together um, statistics on wrestling matches. And <laughs> you say statistics and numbers and so on to certain people and they kind of glaze over and think, oh, God, I'm not interested. But bear with me a second to explain this this fully. And I hope I do it justice. Um, what Craig does is fascinating. Even if you're not a stats guy or girl, even if statistics or, or whatever aren't your thing, this is amazing because you can look at certain matches and it almost makes me, I know what I like about pro wrestling, but this almost tells me why I like certain pro wrestling, I guess. Does that make sense, Mags? Yeah. yeah. Um, the other day, Craig posted his, his analysis, I guess, for want of a better term, on the Cody versus Dustin match from Double or Nothing 2019. Um, and he's, he's got a good graphic up. I mean, he's far more talented than I could ever dream to be with, with regards to this sort of thing. And he's got Cody versus Dustin and how many strikes they had, how many strike downs each had, dives, grapples, how much time was spent in submission holds. It's very, honestly, it's fantastic. Match offense as a percentage, um, reversal rates as a percentage. It's really fascinating stuff. Um, this pimple dick bastard took the time to quote tweet Craig and state this graphic is hilarious and it's the perfect example of why breaking down, uh, breaking wrestling down into numbers is some dweeb shit. Now that may not be the most offensive statement ever made. Don't get me wrong. Of course not. You know, there's plenty of more harsher words or terms that could be used. However, what, I have the issue with is this pimple dick motherfucker piece of crap um, who his profile picture is uh, an image of Samoa Joe. So it shows how much of a spineless cowbag shithead he is that he hasn't even got his own face on his, his online statements. Has took the time rather than scrolling past somebody else's efforts or content or work. He has put, more effort in because it takes more effort to, to quote tweet and respond than it does to literally just skim your thumb or finger and, and scroll by rather than look at it and think oh that's not for me and, and scroll on this fucking pimple dick piece of shit this fucking cock breathed ass piece as as took the time to quote tweet somebody to try and put them down for something that they've done what the hell is wrong with people? Why? Why has he done that? What the fuck is wrong with these people? 
There's no and, and 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 Craig went on and dealt with it very well, saying it, it didn't upset him. It made him more frustrated or angry or so. And he dealt with it incredibly well. So, Craig, hats off to you. You know, fair play to you, mate. Brilliant stuff. And you've got my support, and no doubt you've got Mags's support as well. I, I think you're a top bloke. Um, my issue is with this. Uh, he hasn't even got a name. It, his Twitter handle is at mfk something something something. It, it's just a series of letters and numbers. With I, again, I think it's meant to be at mfchaos, but spelled cool with a k and a z. What a fucking idiot! <laughs> Mf chaos. Okay, pal. Yeah, righto. With your smell, yeah, so chaotic that your image of Samoa Joe is in the rain wearing a poncho. That's not chaotic. That's sensible. He's trying not to get his suit wet. What a fucking mal. Um, he's took the time and effort to shoot down somebody else, somebody else's hobby, somebody who is enjoying what they're doing, creating content for hopefully other people to enjoy too. And this motherfucker, pimple dick piece of shit, has decided to take time out of his day and shoot people down like that. And I think it's disgusting. And you at MFKOS or whatever, you're a piece of crap. And this, uh, the reason I brought this up is is for this main reason now. One, obviously, to tell you, you're a pimple dick piece of shit and you need to just fuck off and, and leave everyone alone because there's no need for that whatsoever. It's disgusting behavior. And this is, you know, you're not, you're there saying, oh, it's not bullying in one of your, when you're at tweets afterwards. You don't get to decide what's bullying or not. The person who is being targeted decides what's bullying. Other people around you, your peers around you, decide what is bullying or not. And I'm telling you, this is online bullying. You're a cunt. You need to just fucking stop it. Okay? But secondly, and most importantly, if you're a listener to this show, yes or no, right? If you're not a listener to this show, then great. I'm letting everyone else out there know what you're like. You're a piece of shit. And everyone else out there can see how much of a scumbag you are. Okay? And I'm glad you're not a listener to this show. All right. If you are a listener to this show, I'm going to go back on something I said a few weeks back when I said that chain wrestling is for everyone. Okay. I'm going to publicly state now chain wrestling is not for you. I don't want you listening to this show. And if anyone else out there has the same attitude as this individual who thinks it's okay to, no matter how subtle, you know, dweeb shit or whatever, or calling somebody's graphic hilarious, no matter how subtle it is to take the time out of your day and exert extra effort to put somebody down for their content and their efforts you're a scumbag and you, you, you're not welcome listening to this podcast any of my other podcasts well my one other podcast i don't want you interacting with anyone i know yeah just fuck off and let everyone else be happy because ultimately that's what it should be about people should be able to watch wrestling create content how they want and just be happy and motherfuckers like you drag the internet wrestling community down with your actions so you're a pimple dick piece of shit fuck you don't ever come back anywhere near our show or our listeners again um so from from my context i totally didn't see any of this i've, I've only uh, kind of like found out from you bringing up just now um but going back to um to craig um i think he's one of the most intelligent people in our 
uh, community, the the work that he does uh, breaking down these farts uh, into the the graphs and 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 the the statistics he comes up with uh, blows me away every single time. Uh, I've been lucky to uh, have been on the first iteration of of uh, his podcast, and he absolutely astounds astounds me with the way he can look at a match and and and, and break it down as if uh, as it's an actual sporting event I, I i'm just blown away by him i think he's got a, a bright future in in uh uh analysis for wrestling and how uh, a huge website or how a, a big kind of like uh company that based in wrestling hasn't picked him up uh as an employee yet he's beyond me i think yeah i think he could really really do great stuff in in wrestling uh this guy this mf chaos guy never came across him before um never uh never followed him he's never followed me uh, i've got a few mutuals um but what's really ironic about him is he's got in his bio hashtag rrp hannah kimura Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as and the people in our community will be uh, well aware, she essentially took her own laugh because of bullying. Yeah, and what what he's doing here, whilst obviously it's not um, it's not comparable to the, the the sheer scale of bullying that that Hannah Kimura uh, uh, faced, and and I'm sure Craig as as uh, it's kind of been like water off a duck's back. Uh, for for him, hopefully. So I mean, uh, I know we've spoke uh, spoke to Craig before about some. Uh, he he has uh, struggled with with his uh, with his confidence and with his uh, mental health, and, and he's been a, a very um, uh, outspoken advocate for looking after uh, people's mental health, and I really do appreciate that from Craig. But this guy has taken um, the the memory of a of a wrestler who who's dad because of of bullying and then bullied somebody else it's it's beyond a joke and like you said he could have even if this is not his cup of tea even if this is not uh, anything he's interested in he could have just scrolled past he could have just left it but the fact he took the time to tweet um calling uh, calling it dweeb shit and uh and calling it hilarious and then took the time to reply to people who were saying, this is a shit take. Uh, you, how how can you be um, claiming to, to be uh, supportive of, of mental health and then bullying other people? Uh, and, and, and he's kind of like doubling down on, on the, the things that he said. The guy's a dickhead. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I don't believe I'm anyone big in this community, but if if... If anybody who I'm following uh, has interactions with this guy, I would sincerely kind of uh, ask you to to maybe choose the right way and, and just dump this little scrot from your from your uh, followers list because this is not the kind of people that we need in a, in our community. We're already a marginalised kind of uh, uh, niche community that, that the rest of the world look down on. Uh, we don't need that from from within. Uh, it, it's a case of uh, a rising tide should be raising all ships, and whether you're interested in it or not, we should be uh, pushing each other to be better. And this is the kind of shit that that gives wrestling fans a bad name. Exactly, Max. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there we go. I want to apologise to anyone listening, especially my mum. Sorry about the language, mum, but <laughs> it get it, it just gets me wound up. All right. 
<laughs> let's move on mags let's move on that's enough time on our show dedicated to that pimple dick piece of shit um shall we very quickly run through some links for the match later before we get to the meat of the drunk stories mags yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, as a lot of you will know, the idea came to us uh, this week that we thought, you know, let's try and make this the biggest and best episode of chain wrestling we possibly could. And one idea that jumped out was let's get people involved in the poll. So when we had our winner from last week's poll, which was Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, WrestleMania 24, we went to Twitter and asked for your ideas to link from that match. And Magsy and I would choose one each and decide um, which ones we thought were worthy of joining our other choices on the poll. And we're going to have like a four-way option for you at the end of the uh, end of the uh, podcast to vote for for next week's episode. The only stipulation being, and yes, I did forget to put it on Twitter at one stage, so I apologize. But the only stipulation being that because this episode is got drunk stories, which is everyone's seems to be everyone's favorite topic and a fantastic wrestling match for us to discuss. We thought maybe, you know, we didn't want to spoil people too much, Max, did we, you know, we don't want to give them too much of a good thing. Do we, you know? Yeah. I mean, the essentially the conversation was that we've watched some really good wrestling over the last few weeks. And it's been quite a while since we watched something, uh, dog shit. Uh, so we, (laughs) We, as the the kind of uh, self-deprecating people that we are, thought, what a bloody good idea to watch something absolutely horrific. Instead of using uh, using the fact that this is our show to watch some bloody good wrestling that we can both enjoy, we want to just ruin it for ourselves and watch something absolutely gash. So that was the mm-hmm. whole point. Let's watch something incredibly terrible that makes us realise that wrestling is crap and we should never watch it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, <laughs> I also think it's quite fun poking fun at the ludicrous ridiculousness of, of wrestling. And I'm not going to lie, when this suggestion was, was fought up, when you and me were messaging back and forth, Mags, I was a few beers deep into the evening, so maybe my judgment was slightly <laughs> impaired. But there we go. <laughs> um, we'll run through very, very quickly. Mags, have you got a, f- a favourite to go with yet, or are you just going to listen to them and go from there? I think I've got one that um, that's a... Um leader for now but uh let's let's just go through them okie doke um very if i miss any i apologize a lot of these are coming through to me today whilst i was at work um and as naughty as i am and i try and sneak onto twitter at at work i am on camera all the time i've been told which makes me a little concerned now because i didn't realize that until this afternoon um (laughs) so if i've missed any magsy shout them out um and if me and mags between us have missed them we apologize in advance um we have at Dan Griffin 21. Uh, he says here, WrestleMania 24 had Kane beating Chavo Guerrero for the ECW title in nine seconds. He'd like to go to the Raw on October the 7th, 2002 for the opposite, where Kane had to defend the tag titles without a partner in the fourth ever TLC match. However, he then realized that we wanted shit matches and ones that aren't decent and, and swore a little bit at us about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, at Millwall Chris one on Twitter uh, he says that Shawn Michaels was on the first card he ever saw live in 1989 in the London Arena he teamed with um, a friend of the show Marty Gennetti fuck you Marty um, against the fabulous Rougeos 
Uh, the opener, actually, though, was the match he wants to link to, was a stinker between Coco Beware and Boris Zukov. Um, he says, I dare you to watch that one. I'm not sure where we'd find that if we went for it, but yeah, okay, that's that, that seems like something suitably shite for us to view, potentially. Um, Wrestling Free Life at Wrestling T Life on Twitter. He says, losing WrestleMania as the link. Goldberg versus Brock Mania 20. Absolute dumpster fire. Yep, it was indeed. <laughs> um, Dan Griffin trying to sort of write what he stated wrong earlier by putting forward as a good match comes up with a, a brilliant um, option here. Um, WrestleMania 24 was Ric Flair's WWE retirement match, but his actual retirement happened three years later in TNA Impact when he faced Sting and he said he'll DM us the link. If we go with that one, Mags, I'll uh, send the link on to you also, obviously. Um, Danny at Scottish Juggalo says he's going to go with this. He watched Raw's 1000 episode a few weeks back and this match stuck in his head to be horrific. Brodus Clay versus Jack Swagger. Um, I'm not sure how that links to what we're looking at, but I suppose that's an option there. Um, and there's an image of Brodus Clay splashing Jack Swagger. And just from that image, it does look pretty shite to be fair. We're... <laughs> Uh, at UTT Rob, Flair versus Sting, also using Ric Flair as the link from the first and last episodes of Nitro. Now that's quite interesting because those matches are years and years apart. We could potentially look at both on the same show, maybe, and compare them. Who knows? Perhaps, yes. Um, at Carry the Gary, uh, GH on Twitter. Again, I'm not 100% sure how this link came around because there's not an explanation on here, but he's saying Chono versus Rude from Halloween Havoc 92. Shocker of a match, considering the talent involved. Um, yeah, I can remember that, and it wasn't as good as it as it should have been. Um, and UTT Rob again, uh, Rebel versus Shelly Martinez. It's unbelievably bad. Again, I'm not sure how we could link to that one, but <laughs> it's a dire match. I think, but I'm considering we're many episodes in, Mags. I'm not sure people grasp the whole concept of the show sometimes. <laughs> no, I mean, to be fair, we we did throw this poll out, this uh, idea out. Uh, pretty much last minute we had been today, so um, maybe they've just forgot the rules or not realised that you have to link it to the last match, uh, even at, even as tenuously as you can. Uh, but I'm sure they'll, they'll uh, pick up the idea uh, the more times that we do it. Yeah, yeah, and it probably is my fault because I've just kind of half-assed it, I guess. But there we go. <laughs> um, Steve-O, our good buddy Steve-O, at Total Steve-O on Twitter. Um the Rock versus Eric Rowan, using WrestleMania as a link there. Um, he says the fact that WWE classified it as a match, even writing it down, pisses him off. Or Cena versus Undertaker at WrestleMania a couple of years back. Shambles, go fuck yourself, he says. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love Steve-O. He's, he's, he's brilliant. He, is, he supports us, UTT, Bang Bang, so many, so many podcasts, like, you know, absolute legend. Um, in fact, you know, that pimple that we discussed earlier could learn a great deal from someone as positive and supportive as Steve-O. Um, and your buddy and mine, Radio Tecker's football podcast, um, Iron Sheik and Nikolai Vokov versus the Bushwhackers from Heroes of Wrestling. That Heroes of Wrestling show is fucking atrocious. It but, is dire. But it also is not even linked to this match, so... It's not, mate. It's not. You know, <laughs> I could probably make a link for that, to be fair, if I had to. Um, but I'm not going to put that much thought into it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, have you? Sh- should we pick from the uh, listeners' nightmags and then do ours later? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my instant favourite. Uh, I mean, I, I would happily go with The Rock versus Eric Ruin, but the fact it's about four seconds long and that we don't, there would be not much talking point to it, um, even though it would absolutely piss Steve off uh, to, to watch. That that was a front-runner. But for me, it's got to be Goldberg versus Brock. Uh, yeah. That match, um, whilst I remember it not being the worst match uh, in uh, in WrestleMania history, the fact that both guys were, were leaving and the fans knew about it and they were just not going to take that match on at all and they just booed the fucking shit out of everyone involved. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd happily go with that. Yeah, that's a good shite. That's a good shite. Um, who? Let me have a quick check. Who was it who put that one? Ah, there we go. Wrestling through life. Goldberg versus Brock at WrestleMania 20. Okay, that's option one for this week's poll. Um, I'm going to go with Ric Flair's WWE retirement match. Sorry, this was WWE's Ric Flair's WWE retirement match. I'm going to go for his actual retirement match that happened in TNA when he faced Sting on an episode of Impact from Dan Griffin. So that will be Sting versus Flair. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen this, so I'm very much throwing myself uh, out there. On, on the mercy of our good friend Dan Griffin, if he thinks it's terrible, then hopefully it's terrible enough. Um, Sting versus Flair from the 15th of the 9th, 2011 episode of Impact. Okay. That's our first two options for the poll. Um, we will have a look at our own, our own options after we've run through the match mags, shall we? Yes, let's do so. But sticking with Twitter, we have probably the most favourite, the, 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 the most popular um, non-wrestling topic we do. Yes. One that always seems to make me chuckle and also repulse me. At equal measures at exactly the same time. Um, we have Drunk Stories Part 3. Magsy, how excited are you? Yeah, for me, this is becoming our NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. We have to revisit this time and time again um, because it, it just it's the gift that keeps on giving, basically. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We had several great responses once again um and i have a little bit of a humdinger from our good friend harry um of shitting in a tent kilt fame from back on drunk stories part one um i will just run through them in the order we got them again magsy and we can just see what we think shall we at Metal Michael on Twitter, spelt with the X that confused me a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> he here is actually putting forward a drinking game he was playing um, that ended up with him blacking out and falling asleep, um, which is a game I don't think I've ever played before. So back around 2003, played a game of quarters for the first time. If he didn't get the quarter in the shot glass, he drank a shot of tequila. Um, what's quarters, Mags? Quarters are like, do you know, like coins in America. Like, I know that. No, I know that coins. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any kind of like um, really kind of deep and meaningful rules. It's literally you have a quarter, 
and you put a, a glass a certain distance away, and it's almost like like basketball. You've got to get it in the glass, or kind of like beer pong, a little bit like beer pong. Oh uh, right, yeah, okay, I get that. See, that's that's the information I wanted when I said what's quarters, Max. Not please explain to me. What <laughs> well, I, I can never tell with you. I mean, we've had the whole debacle about phones attached to the wall. Uh, we've had the whole issue with uh, you not understanding the concept of Bluetooth. Um, so I, I, I sometimes <laughs> have to dumb down more than I actually should just to just to be safe. Mate, I've actually been, as you know, I've, mess- I've messaged you a few times. I've actually been going back through old episodes of Chain Wrestling, whilst there's still only like 20, 25 or however many we're on, before we get too many of them to, for it to be a, like a, a big undertaking, to put together a clip, almost like a clip show, I guess. Of a Christmas fun- clip show. Well, potentially, yeah. I mean, primarily, <laughs> primarily because my mum has asked about listening to it, and she's not massively into the wrestling side of things. But I thought once it's done, I'll piece it together. It could be quite funny listening to our... The, the bits that made me and you laugh the most on air, I guess, or the bits that we've got the most interaction online with. And I was just going to chuck it out. It was like a bonus episode, potentially. Um, I, I am concerned about that, because the majority of them will... It'll make me sound like I'm bullying you. Well, this is the thing. I wasn't. I wasn't actually going to say that <laughs> about you bullying me. Um, you know, but the thing is, I'm. I suppose, yeah, there is legs to that now. Now you point it out. But <laughs> I am. I am the epitome of MF chaos with a Z. Now, <laughs> I um, the big worry is, mate. Honestly, I listen back to these episodes. I'm about episode fifteen, sixteen in from from like just listening to these bits and making notes about all I cut out of them and so on. I do come across really fucking stupid. <laughs> I mean, some of the times that we finish recording and I'll go and speak to Mrs. Mags and, and I'll tell her some of the, the ridiculous stuff that you've said. Um, and she just rolls her eyes at you. So, <laughs> and she's never spoken to you. She's never uh, never even seen you about that when we were talking about that. Uh, beer cologne and, and uh, the phone attached to the wall because it was like your mobile. Um, it was just, yeah, she's like, is he a fucking idiot? <laughs> <laughs> See, it's funny because you say, obviously, like, I've never spoken to Mrs. Mags or anything like that, and, that, and that's, that's true. Um, my wife, who I see every day, does exactly the same thing as your wife. <laughs> I mean, to throw that in context, though, my missus is not a wrestling fan. She thinks it's it's childish. Uh, she she p- always bullies me for being a wrestling fan. So you're not on your own there. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, brilliant! We got Steve Owen messaging in again, mate. Steve yes. messaging again. Um, Thank you again, Steve-O. He actually says, when we mentioned this topic on the last podcast, he immediately thought, I don't really have any. But he says he once danged a bottle of 70ml vodka. Um, sorry, a 70ml bottle of vodka. It's just sort of the standard bottle, bottle size, you know, I guess. Um, so once it hit him, he ran to the local club venue. He was asked for ID, didn't have any. So essentially then just ran home, which was five miles away. He says, I know it's not funny, but I don't really know why I did it. And I'm like, no, that makes me laugh. <laughs> Necking mean, a bottle of vodka and going for a run. I mean, it's an energy boost, I suppose. Jesus Christ, five miles. So yeah. a long way. That's like Jason Bourne levels of, of sprinting. Jason Bourne? Yeah. You know, the, the Bourne ultimatum. And all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, does he drink vodka in that, does he? No, but he mentions that it that uh, it can run for like miles without stopping. 
Uh, okay, yeah. No, I get you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Add that to the clip, sure. Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, Danny, at Scottish Juggler on Twitter, said he, he was at his local barber's. This is like, you might as well live in Gloucester. This is a Gloucester thing, this is. He said he was at his local barber's getting a haircut when suddenly an extremely inebriated old man staggered in and started singing Night Fever, which is great. Banger of a track, that mag, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm um, sung along with it. Yeah, so far, going well, I think. Um, he then proceeded to violently vomit all over the seating area for around a full minute before giving a quick thumbs up and calmly exiting. <laughs> now, what makes it for me is the fact that this guy's thrown up everywhere and then given a thumbs up. That is that, that makes it for me, the thumbs up at the end. Proud of his work. Yeah. A job well done. Um, Chris on Twitter, at Chris one uh, he sent us a tweet simply said, he once got so drunk that he lost one of his knuckles. Now, to me, that's not enough. So I sent him a tweet back saying, I need more information for, about this. We can't just go by that, Mags, can we? That's, that's just must be the tip of the iceberg. I'm I sure. mean, it, it certainly piqued my interest, the fact that he's lost a knuckle. I didn't know whether he meant that he'd put it somewhere and he couldn't find it, or it, it was like in his, in his jeans and it got trapped in the washer or something like that. So, yeah, we definitely needed some context. Yeah. Yeah, so Mill Chris goes on to explain. Um, well, I had this fascination with punching through glass. As everyone does, Max, at some point in their life, I think. Standard story so far. <laughs> so I attempted to accomplish this on a telephone box by striking it several times. In my very drunk state, I didn't realise that it was actually some type of toughened plastic perspex, which just kept, which my hand just kept bouncing off. The same night, he tried to jump in a skip and run through it and jump out the other side. Unfortunately, as he jumped, I caught my foot on the edge and just fell straight into the skip. Oh, brilliant. brilliant. <laughs> I hope they were witnesses to this and they yeah. had a really good chuckle because I, I would have pissed myself laughing at that. And, it, you know, just the clambering out covered in crap as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, this did not go well. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, at Good Bad Wrestle, the Good Cop Bad Cop Wrestling Podcast on Twitter. This is from Graham. He's, I believe, he speaks here about being a teacher in the states. Um, he's DM'd this to us due to it being a bit long for a tweet, and that is always something people can do at any point. If you've um, got something you wish to add to the show or just to interact with us, you can you can send us a, a DM or. Um, an email. Uh, there is an email account for the show. Um, I'm not going to lie; I've forgotten what it is. I'll post it, <laughs> but it's uh, <laughs> it'll make some res- reference to chain wrestling somewhere in the name, I guess. So, um, but yeah, if ever your story is a bit long for uh, Twitter itself, feel free to drop us a message, or even if you wish to remain anonymous, uh, do it that way too. We don't care. We just want the funny stories, Mags, don't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, so Graham here says, when he moved to the US in 2000, the teaching organization was he was with put on a party for the hundreds of teachers who had also moved to the US, and there was an open bar. Open bar is my favorite. Obviously, this was massively abused. I do remember someone fell through the ceiling of the hotel. Jesus, fell, so fell through the ceiling of the hotel it was being held at. No idea how that happened, though. The second party, instead, they gave us a token for one free drink. I'm guessing, Magsy, because they've learned from their errors there, haven't they? Yeah. Pretty um, much. Yeah. 
we all immediately decided we would just buy some booze from the store and get a few drinks in beforehand as it would be cheaper. As someone who's not a big drinker, I seriously misjudged the amount of Jack Daniels I could consume. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good sound. Yeah. I went to the party, felt sick, returned to the room, threw up several times, slept it off after taking my trousers off. Uh, but with me a second, I'm about to scan onto the second page. Where are we? After taking my trousers off and crashing onto the bed. I do remember being woken up several times as people stopped in to confirm he was totally wasted as they couldn't believe it because the party was still very, very early in the night. Um, he woke up for the last 30 minutes of the party, having slept through pretty much the whole evening. Do you remember being painted with glitter too for some reason? Ah, fair enough. So that's the old story of peaking far too early, Mags, isn't it? It is. It absolutely is. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Graham, I am disappointed in you. I've got a... Uh... I've got a story about the wife with regards to that peaking of it early drinking voice that we'll, uh, we'll get to in a moment if we have time. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've got a, a similar story. <laughs> um, at UTT Rob, um, after the odd swift half, he once accused Wakefield Trinity scrum half, which is rugby, isn't it, Magsha? Mm-hmm. Bobby Golding of unconvincingly pretending to be former Wales football manager Bobby Gold. Uh, Golding denied these accusations, but he says he's on to him. So I'm assuming there that he's in a bar with this rugby player and just keeps ranting it in about being Bobby Gold. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy's like, I don't know who you're talking about. It's definitely not me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and Rob just not having it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, The Appliance 180, good buddy William Kitchen sent us a story here that was in several parts so i think i've got it in the right order because yeah, I mean, to be fair I, I tried reading the order that the, the messages appeared on twitter and they don't make a lick of sense it, it's very much a, a a multi-part tweet yeah it kind of jumps around a bit so i think i've got it in the right order if i have not or if i uh Confused people well as i read this out i apologize in advance um he says around the time of his 30th birthday went out for a few stellas and whiskies with a friend of his uh finished up he went to go and play a, a darts for the local darts team he was part of had a few more drinks um during a bit of a practice and a smoke outside bumped into a few of the opposition who asked if i fancied some dragon soup decided to partake um uh, do you know dragon soup is I have not got a clue. I'm assuming it's a a very, very strong, disgusting drink. Yes, I imagine so. Um, Back upstairs for the start of the match. Minutes later, the lack of food in my stomach, a mixture of a mixture of raw booze hit me like a Stan Hansen lariat. Um, Next attempt to the hockey, he felt like 1996 Yokozuna trying a Fargo strat. Oh dear, dear, dear. Captain of the darts team had to carry him down two flights of stairs in a Kevin Nash sidewalk slam position. To this day, he don't know how he got upstairs to his top floor flat. Using his keys was akin to reciting the works of all well in Latin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, His partner at the time found him snoring three hours later at the foot of the front door, uttering something as incoherent as a Hellwig promo. He had to be stripped in... He had to be stripped and thrown in an ice-cold shower, and then put un- in undernight surveillance. Obviously, I'm guessing he's that tanked. People need to keep an eye on him. Um, while giving his best Oliver Reed tribute. 
But once 8am hit, he felt uh, fresh as a daisy. And he says, moral of the story, he thinks alcohol is fucking great. <laughs> and his, his, his partner at the time is an absolute saint for, yeah. for putting up with that. Yeah, she's tolerated. <laughs> That's a great story, a superb story. Tolerated a lot there, I feel. Um, and we have at Dan Griffin 21. Yay! The yeah. Dan Griffin <laughs> segment. Um, actually, this is great. I mean, similar to uh, our good friend Will, who messaged in the several part story just then, using lots of wrestling references in his his non wrestling topic story. I loved that. That was awesome. Um, Dan has done some in a way kind of similar. He's actually got one that links to the subject matter of our wrestling topic this week, Max. And, and, he I mean, says, that's cool. But it's also concerning that he's got a story to link to every wrestling topic that we cover. Yeah, I, I hope that he's got a story for every wrestling match that's ever happened. <laughs> I mean, that would be awesome. Just got to open a big, you know, a big filing cabinet and go. Okay, so British Bulldog versus the Big Boss Man, two thousand. Let's have a look. There we go. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. <laughs> um, he says he actually got one that links to the next recording subject. Watched WrestleMania 24 at mate's house. Went to the pub beforehand. Got so pissed he passed out before this match and slept right through it. Still mocked <sighs> to this day, missing it live. Oh, man. Oh, wow. Wow, oh, Dan. I mean, normally his stories make me... Uh, his stories kind of make me laugh and, and chuckle along, but I'm actually disappointed in, in him for that. Daniel, let down. Or let down. I, I know nobody can see us because it's, you know... Uh, an audio only podcast but i'm shaking my head very slowly in disappointment right now Max. i am um, I've, I've got to record with that guy this week as well and i don't know if i can face him now he's really really <laughs> let me down. um and we do have one more follow-up from mr griffin here saying um in 2011 he and his brother went to the darts world final took us took their seats in ali Pali, watched the opening game um, and then as the final proper started, he said, I'll get him in. Nothing ever happens in the first set. Uh, whilst waiting for his drinks, he missed the only nine data to ever be thrown in a world final. Oh, wow. I mean, that's that's punishment for, for missing uh, Flair versus Michaels. I mean, karma has caught up with you, finally. Yeah, I, I think you need to really have a look at yourself here, Dan. And give your head a wobble and think about what you're doing, mate, because <laughs> you're costing yourself some great memories, aren't you? You know? Yeah, but there we the, go. All these cool things you could have seen and and you've wrecked them by being a drunkard. Exactly, mate. <laughs> Magsy, you hinted at a story about maybe peaking a bit too early. Okay, so I, I was actually, when I spoke to Mrs. Mags, telling her that we'd covering drunk stories again she reminded me of a of a uh, an incident that i actually totally forgot about so uh quite a few years back uh, it was uh, around christmas and we uh we were going on kind of like a pub crawl with a few uh a few uh, friends and family uh, but we started as you would normally do at somebody's house uh getting arsehole uh, like pre-drinks, I think they call it now. That's the, the cool term, pre-drinking. Which is what uh, we call it too, Mags, because we're cool as well, remember? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, but uh, I was actually at, um, I, th- I think it was um, 
a relations house, but I am fuzzy on the details. But I got given a gift uh, for Christmas from from one of the people at the party of a, a bottle of Jägermeister. Now, uh, uh, for our American listeners, Jägermeister is a, a very strong, almost medicinal tasting uh, spirit. Um, never been a massive fan of it, but it, it's kind of used for for Jäger bombs. I don't know if uh, if you guys in America have that kind of uh, you get some energy drink. And uh, you, you put a shot of Jaeger uh, Master in it, and you, you essentially net the full shot back. Uh, but again, this was the first time I'd had it. I'd never uh, seen the bottle before. Uh, so I opened it and was just glugging away from the bottle for uh, the next hour or so, whilst everybody kind of like got themselves ready um, to to uh, go and party the night away. I got, I was, I've been reliably informed. I was warned by more than one person to kind of keep it calm. Um, you're going a little bit overboard. Uh, you will feel it once you hit the hit the cold, fresh air because uh, everybody knows you can get as arsehole as, as you want inside a building, but once you go outside in the fresh air, it hits you like a train, and you you're going to feel the effects of it. I didn't, in my in my idiocy, didn't take that advice. So by the time uh, we were ready to go out, I'd, I'd damn near finished this full uh, seventy centiliter bottle of Jägermeister. But not yeah, good, not good at all. Uh, so we got uh, we, somebody ordered a minibus. Uh, we were going to go and hit the bars in town. Um, anyway, so we uh, went outside, got into this minibus, and uh, the air hit me. And I was mortal, and I mean properly mortal. I was slurring my words. I couldn't stand up straight. Um, so we ended up getting into town. Um, I had, I think, we went to one bar, uh, and I was absolutely paralytic. Uh, so Mrs. Mags, in a in a infinite kindness, uh, got a taxi and took me on, thinking um, I'll, I'll take him home. I'll, I'll leave him and I'll go back out and join the festi- festivities and have a good time. Um, so she <laughs> took me home and, and we're talking about maybe it's about nine o'clock, nine o'clock at night ish. So very very early. Uh, so she gets me uh, gets me to bed, um, and I am absolutely pissed, fast asleep, snoring my head off. And she looks at me and thinks, I can't leave him because I can't trust he will be alive when I come home. So she spends this Christmas party night sat next to me whilst I snowed my head off in bed and the kicker of it is she got multiple phone calls from the people in the group saying, why aren't you coming out? Leave him there. Um, Coming out and have fun. But no, she got to spend her Christmas party basically watching television in the bedroom whilst a pissed mags just slept the night away. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. Fuck <laughs> Oh, mate. So you just trashed her all night by being a fucking drunken I, I didn't, I didn't even remember that story until she reminded me of it. And then it's like, you know, one of those things where <laughs> it all comes back to you and you think, oh, my God, that actually happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wrecked Mrs. Mag's Christmas uh, not out. Unbelievable, mate. Unbelievable. Uh, my my story, I suppose, isn't my story. It's my wife. Um, 
she went with a gang of her friends. This is going back many, many years now. She went with a gang of her friends to go and see some strippers at a local rugby club. Um, night out with the girls sort of thing. Um, but my wife, I mean, she used to go out town with her mates and she, she was never a big drinker, but she'd go out and have a few drinks and get a bit pissed up. But she, she's always suffered with quite bad hangovers and so on. And since having the kids, it's just not worth the effort and that. Um, on this night, she decided she was going to go out. I, I was not at work that weekend. I was going to have the kids get up early in the morning with them. She could, you know, it's, it's like a weekend off. Go, 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 love, do what you need to do sort of thing. Have fun, you know? Um, she picked me up from, I was working in an off license at the time. She picked me up from work, came in and bought a half bottle of vodka. So straight away, I'm thinking, oh, what's going on here um, for that evening? And it turns out she was having the, the old pre-drinks around her friends before going to the rugby club again. And my wife tells the story of basically what she can remember is drinking this half bottle of vodka to herself and then there being more vodka that her mates have bought too and by this stage she's you know she, she's pretty pissed so she's just chucking it all down her neck having a great time this is the early hours of the day of the saturday evening sorry she gets to the venue she's already trotted i've already had a message from her best friend saying yeah your wife's an absolute state mate you know um she's uh, written off already gets to the, the rugby club Carries on drinking, um, and basically where she's never been a big drinker um, and kind of got a bit overexcited about being out with her friends for the first time in a long time, um, disappeared. So her friends went looking for her. And again, I said, this is this is a rugby club, so you've got the social side, but you've also got the changing rooms and whatnot out the back, haven't you, for the players when they have their games. Um, my wife, it was I think it was like a family member or a f- friends family member who ran the rugby club that my wife knows very very well um she was basically found in the players showers at the back of the rugby club um throwing up everywhere just filling the showers up in the back of this rugby club with sick uh, and yelling that she wants to come home and um basically got put in a taxi i had to meet her at the front um i'd already prepared everything there was a bucket down the side of the bed because i'm a good husband max i'm a caring husband you see there's a there's a bucket down the side of the bed there was paracetamol and water and a bottle of coke and whatnot on her bedside table i'd laid towels all over the floor because i'm thinking if she throws up if she throws up on the way to the bathroom i gotta clean that up so there's towels all around you know i've probably planned this out she can't even get out of the taxi mate i have had to get her out of the taxi basically effectively carry her up the stairs get her into bed um and her hangover lasted well that was a i think that was a saturday so her hangover lasted until tuesday afternoon i didn't see her for the whole of sunday half of monday um that was it and and she constantly refers to this as you know obviously the day she was found throwing up in the rugby club showers but going back to the very beginning of the tale it's obviously a night going to see some male strippers at the rugby club she refers to it as you know and you know what i didn't even get to see one dick you know (laughs) so yeah that kind of wrecked her evening (laughs) wow uh i mean eerily similar stories between me and uh and mrs mrs sarah um, we both clearly can't handle our beer. Yeah, she hasn't had a drink night for quite a few years. Not that she's 
an alky of a problem or anything like that. I mean, if there's any, if either of us in this relationship has got that issue, it's bound to be me. But as you know, it's, uh, it's she just she just doesn't see the point she enjoys having a drink and she likes being out of her mates but then where she's also the driver quite often she goes out and just drinks coke still has a great time yeah. and after a while she realized oh do you know what i haven't had a drink since such and such a date and it just kind of rumbled on like she hasn't had a drink for the best part of three years so fair play to her I mean, it's not a, it's not a decision of hers that i'm teetotal now that's far from it if she wanted to drink she'd more than happily just you know dive on in and have one but she can go out and have a great time and still be fun to be around um, w- without chucking booze down her net lags, something yeah, that I, mean, I cannot do. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it just goes to show that you don't always need uh, to to get absolutely pissed up to have a good time. And she's kind of like the, the poster child for that. Exactly, mate. Exactly. And we'll have one quick one from... Oh, no, sorry. I'll tell you what. We won't have one quick one from me. I nearly forgot. I nearly forgot the message I had from Shitty Kilt Man. Um, <laughs> Here we go. We'll jump straight onto that one, and then we will talk some wrestling, Magsy, okay? Um, that does mean because of time restraints today, I'm afraid I'm going to have to put off the, you know, me getting drunk and chased by the police when I saw Aerosmith story but I'm oh. sure we'll do a drunk stories part 4 yeah, and it'll come it. out I, I have got a few more drunk stories left in the bag because I know that we are going to be bringing them up uh, to drunk stories 4 exactly I will say seeing Aerosmith chased by the police vandal paint across my forehead and I'll leave it at that we'll talk about it another time um Okay, my good friend Dave, known as Ari to his mates, a complete beer monster, my long-term drinking partner, I guess, um, shares this gem with us. He says, right, here goes, and I'm reading a WhatsApp message here, so I'll I'll read it, literally has, he has typed it. Um, About 23 years old, a few of the lads have started a group chatting about loving Strongbow. It's still on Facebook, apparently, under the name Strombo Appreciation Society. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he says, see attached photo. And yeah, I can see the the comments they sent me. Um, One lad bet he could drink six pints in an hour. Oh, how I mocked his puny dreams. (laughs) I bet I could drink 10 pints of Strombo in an hour. So the date was set. A barbecue at... A barbecue at Gav's house. Gav is a mutual friend of ours who lived who lives in the area where me and my friend Harry grew up. Um, on the day, he had completely forgotten. And he'd gone to the Teddy, which is our local boozer, for a lunchtime couple of pints as it was summer. An hour and a few points in, a friend of his runs down and says, Why aren't you at Gav's? You've been challenged to do this. And obviously this has been built up and built up over time, heading towards the day of this because he's mocked the other guy for six points and said he'll do 10. It's become a bit of a big deal between these lads who are trying to one up each other. Yeah. Um, so he drives in rain to Gavin's this, this other guy. Um, the rules are simple. Someone else pours you the drink and he drinks it. The timer starts. Um, and he's obviously got an hour at 45 minutes and eight cans in. He decides to stop for a piss and, but he has it in Gavin's mum's pond. And he then jumps, he goes for a jump around on the bouncy castle. At the one hour mark, he's done 11 cans of Strongbow and officially crowned El Bow, apparently, which is a title to celebrate, it seems. At the 90th minute mark, he can't see, stand, or talk very well. 
But this is where it tickles me a little bit, Max. Um, he decides with somebody else at the party, it would be really, really funny to ring various taxi companies with lots of people's different phones um, and get them all to come to this Gavin's house. Um, apparently Gavin's house is still blacklisted by all the taxi companies to this day after they all kept turning up. <laughs> they all kept turning up to which case he, they were met with Ari running out in a mutilated state, shouting obscenities and wiggling his knob at them. <laughs> his missus finally gets him a lift home, drops him off at his parents' house and leaves him on his bed. He wakes up at half four in the morning, covered in the contents of the bathroom cabinet that he's gone in for some reason that he cannot remember doing this, but he's gone into the bathroom, fetched everything from the bathroom cabinet, opened it and poured it all over his bed. There are tablets, powders and all sorts everywhere. Um, but let's be fair now. I am king of the strongbow. So fuck them all. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, <laughs> our, our our friend Gav his house is still apparently he still can't get a taxi from his own address because his house is blacklisted by numerous taxi companies in Gloucester and Cheltenham because when they turned up there they had a big bold tattooed lunatic with piercings waving his knob at them so that what a claim awesome it's absolutely awesome what an absolute fool <laughs> <laughs> brilliant what a story as always everybody thank you so so much for all the interactions you've sent in your bad wrestling matches that either linked or didn't necessarily link to our topic today um your drunk stories and so on it's always appreciated and i know it's a cliche and i know i keep saying it but i do genuinely mean it and i know mags does as well chain wrestling is your show it wouldn't happen without you we are hugely hugely appreciative of every single one of you unless you are mf chaos and then it's not your show you have no involvement whatsoever stop listening now you fucking pimple dick bastard pimple dick alert oh a teeny weenie maxi should we talk a little wrestling Hello, brother. This is NWA, WCW Enhancement Talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cyan Mags and chain wrestling, brother, runs wild on you? Well, yeah, we shall. Uh, your pick one again. Um, I'm not not a huge fan of this uh, uh, Sar winning back to backs, but with this match, I can let it slide because it's a uh, one of the best matches uh, on WrestleMania. Um, but it's also got the for me one of the best moments that you'll ever get in wrestling. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about it. Yes, definitely. The winner of the poll with 66% of the votes was my choice for Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 24. Um, Yeah, again, back to back, my poll choices have won. I mean, you say you don't like that, but let's be honest, it's barely happened (laughs) before this. This may be a first. It actually may be a first. We'll have to go back and... 
I'll have to have a little look on my little spreadsheet that I've sort of stopped filling in and have to go back and make sure I complete it because I got lazy and forgot about it. Um, it has happened a few times, but not anywhere near the level of your choices winning. Um, this match is a career-threatening match where basically the story behind the stipulation is Ric Flair has come out and said he the video package tells this story fantastically just before the contest. If you if you go to WrestleMania 24 on the WWE Network, um, you have the thumbnails at the bottom and you have the option to watch the match. Just before that, there is a, a very very short interview with Ric Flair, but there's an additional thumbnail before that that gives you the brilliant WWE video package telling you the story of, of this contest and why it's happening and so on. Um, and it's, it's basically down to Vince McMahon telling Ric Flair, the next time you lose, you're done. Next time you lose, you have to retire. Um, Rick decides that he wants to wrestle Shawn Michaels and he wants the show stopper, Mr. WrestleMania and so on at WrestleMania. Um, Sean doesn't want to do that because he feels that he would win. And he states, I don't want to be remembered as the guy that retires Ric Flair. Um, ultimately Flair comes back with the brilliant quote of, if I can't hang with the best, my career is already over, which I thought was superb. Um, and that basically sets up the stipulation we have here. Um, Magsy, I know we're going to now basically go into hyperbole, I guess, and just heap wonder upon this match because it's one of my favourites as well as one of yours. What are your thoughts watching it back uh, this week? Yeah, um, it, it doesn't lose any of its impact for me. Uh, I mean, this is like 13 years old, this match, mm-hmm. uh, and it's still as emotional and as poignant as as the day I watched it live. Um, the the whole uh, promo package at the beginning uh, really kind of hits you in the feels. Um, you you genuinely seeing, oh well, in in terms of WWE, um, you genuinely seeing the 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 end of arguably the greatest wrestler to ever enter uh, the squared circle the end of his career this is going to be the last the, the last match that, that that you see Ric Flair in um, it, it's it's so hard to, to kind of like um, impress the gravity of what this this actually means and for it, for it to be Shawn Michaels the guy who um, who basically took the mantle of, of Ric Flair Flair on um, really looked up to him. Um, he was almost like uh, Rip Flair's prodigy, I suppose. Um, and for, for Flair to kind of pass that baton on to him, uh, saying that um, he wanted to know if he could still hang with the best, and the best was Shawn Michaels. Uh, and then you get the the kind of the slap in the face uh, on the the go home row, uh, which kind of like adds a little bit more intensity to to uh, the match. Uh, the the whole I'm going to put Flair out of his misery stuff really kind of like sends chills down your spine, uh, especially knowing the the end result. Uh, but with with Flair, I think he was going into this match. At, I think he was 59 maybe at the time, uh, and and Shawn Michaels was was uh, I think about 42 maybe. Um, this match should not have been as good as it was at all. Uh, Rick Flair was essentially a, a pensioner at this time, and 
the fact that he and and Shawn Michaels got this amazing match, uh, it's just it's just beggars belief. He, he wrestled some of his best work uh, in this match that he, he hadn't wrestled like that for maybe a decade, maybe even longer. Um, it was just it's just phenomenal to watch. I mean, if you are going to go out. Uh, you, you, this is how you want to go out, putting on a performance of a lifetime, uh, putting over uh, the the person who's took up your mantle, uh, and and just having a stadium and a world full of wrestling fans sobbing like babies. Uh, it's just it's it's hard to um, it's hard to impart how much this match really means to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with everything you just said there. Um, I've said so many times on this show and, and the SJP wrestling pod, my other show, if I'm to pick my all time favorite wrestler, it depends upon which day you ask me as to who I answer between these two. I can't separate them properly. I can't separate them with any real conviction. Um, because even if I turn around and say Ric Flair, there's always something in the back of my mind. Going, yeah. But then what about Michael's this Michael's that and vice versa? Um, I appreciate that a lot of Flair's greatest matches, whereas they are absolutely fantastic. I mean, we go back, say, 1989 as an example, the match against Terry Funk, the trio against Steamboat, um, and a few other contests he, he has in that time frame as well. Um, just, just brilliant, brilliant stuff. But it, it is... You know, maybe not as dramatic or as as showy as some of the things that Michaels has done um, in later years, because obviously times move on and people start doing different things and 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 sort of pushing the envelope, I guess. But then I have the image in my head that Rick always, in theory, most of the time did what's best for business, and Michaels backstage was a piece of crap. Um, but ultimately, these two are the two that. I always put up there on a pedestal as being the two that, uh, even as a kid, I thought was it. These got these are my guys. They're fantastic. So knowing that at the time the, these two were going to face off at WrestleMania was was hugely exciting for me as a fan. Knowing that it was most likely going to be Flair's farewell actually made it quite. You know, there's 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 a little sting of sadness to it going into it. But what a way to go! What a way to, in theory, say goodbye. Um, and to be honest, Mags, it, to me, it's not... It, we'll get to our ratings it, it, at the end, obviously, like we normally do. But it's not... It's not a barnstormer of a wrestling match. It's not Flair Steamboat. It's not, it's not Michaels versus Taker or anything like that. It's probably not of the same level in ring as these classics that the guys we're talking about have had with other competitors, but it holds up there because of the emotion and most importantly, the storytelling throughout the match. It's not just a great sequence of moves. It's not just great spots from start to finish. The story is fantastic. The way they tell the tale of flair almost being put out of his misery by someone who doesn't want to do it. And the hints throughout the match about that and the little throwbacks as well with certain moves and certain moments to Ric Flair's career and so on. It, it's just an absolute wonder of storytelling. I think Mags. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it goes to show that wrestling is not 
paint by numbers. Uh, you can marvel over the, the technical prowess of wrestlers. Uh, they can do some absolutely mind-blowing things in the ring. Um, but sometimes the very basic wrestling manoeuvres, but with a, a, a well-told story and a, a kind of like a, a roller coaster journey can can far outshine a technically brilliant um, feats of feats of um, prowess match. It's it's amazing what a, a little bit of a storyline and a, a, a lot of passion and love uh, can can do to to elevate a match way beyond just critiquing it from a technical standpoint. Yeah, definitely. Um... Old Chagger Dave Meltzer gave this three and a half stars. I I don't think that's right. I think it needs it should be more, but we'll get to that shortly. And put that into context, um, from the same pay-per-view, he gave Big Show versus Mayweather three stars, so only half a show less. I think that's a bit of a travesty, to be honest. Um Sean is out first, you know, and I love Sean Michael's entrance theme, it's fantastic, and the fireworks and so on, it's great. But then Ric Flair comes out in a huge over-the-top audacious Ric Flair robe. The fireworks go off behind him. There's a great visual of him stood on this long WrestleMania entranceway. And he's not just got pyro behind him, but actual fireworks going off above the arena. And the camera is shot and, and positioned in such a perfect way that you're looking past Flair to these fireworks in the background. And it just looks superb. Um, the crowd are full of woo signs that... Where, where people have cut out the individual letters, Max, yeah. haven't they? Quite big. Yeah. And there's a the couple of them that seem to go around the whole arena. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, I would guess that, that uh, the WWE had planned that. Um, unless there's like 5,000 people uh, all had the same idea, uh, using the same kind of like really bright coloured uh, lettering. But yeah, what, a, what a, um, an image it was. Giant, a long, long woos spreading a, 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 all the way around the stadium. It was just, if you're going out, this is how you want to go out. This was yeah. just phenomenal. And and the, the, even that, the, the little touch of having Charles Robinson as the referee, I thought, was just beautiful. Because this is a guy who's been linked with Ric Flair pretty much all the way through his, his wrestling career. Um, the guy uh, adored Ric Flair as, as a kid. Uh, when he got to uh, uh, finally work with uh, with WCW, I think he'd applied for a job at WCW about four or five times and just kept getting knocked back. Uh, when he finally got to, to work with uh, Ric Flair, he, he ended up being involved in the storyline um, where he was a uh, little Nick. Uh, so I thought that that was a cool little little uh, addition to, to ending uh, Ric Flair's career in, in, in this match. Yeah, um, Little Nate, she was referred to one stage, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we got some vintage Ric Flair moments. Oh, God, I sounded like Michael Cole then, didn't I? Oh, ah, <laughs> God, I feel sick now. That is vintage! It's um, boss time! Oh, don't even, don't even go down that road. Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, we get the whole, he goes to reach his opponent's hands and then steps back and fixes his hair, which is just so great. Um there's actually a few boos for Sean when he starts chopping at Flair and then Flair gets the, the, the cheers in response, I guess, from that. Um, and then we get some great little throwback moments fairly early on where 
Sean gets caught on the top rope, like Ric Flair always does. You know, he climbs to the top and he looks like he's going to do something from the top rope. But it's, it's, it's like a stable of Ric Flair matches for decades where he gets caught and then just thrown off the top rope and takes the big bump. But then Rick goes to the top rope himself and actually hits the crossbody. Yeah. And gets a huge pop from the crowd because it's, yeah. you know, that famous spot that he never actually does that. No, it's absolutely amazing. And, and if you if you uh, go all the way through uh, Ric Flair's career, he one of his uh, kind of like signature moves was being slammed into uh, into the the corner, and then um, kind of like almost going over the ropes and, and walking along the apron. And uh, Shawn Michaels had his own kind of version of that, where he would actually do a flip and do it. So you can see where. Uh, these guys had, had those very similar subtleties to their uh, to their wrestling game. Also, you know, hitting that crossbody, he actually, you know, it's a real throwback because he won either his first or his second, I think his second world title from um, Harley Race at one of the very early, maybe even the first Starcade. I think it was the first Starcade, 83, I think it was, because yeah. he won that with a crossbody from the top rope. So that's, a lovely little throwback to that moment as well. When a crossbody meant something, uh, where now it's it's essentially a transitional move. Uh, but going on from that that crossbody, Flair uh, attempts to to win the match pretty quick when he uh, he goes for the figure four, uh, but he's kicked out um, to the to uh, ringside. Then he's given the baseball slide drop kick, and then one of the spots of of the match. Uh, Sean Michaels going for a springboard moonsault, and it's a beautiful looking moonsault. But Flair uh, ducks and moves out the way, and Michaels hits the announce table, essentially rib first on onto uh, onto like the the solid part of the wood. Um, the table doesn't even give way at the beginning. Uh, it takes an actual a while for for the table to to give up. But Jesus Christ, how that didn't break! Uh, Shawn Michaels back is beyond me that was brutal yeah really nasty looking bump wasn't it really horrific looking yeah he does hit another one though um, from the top to the outside like literally from the top rope this time not a springboard from the middle like the top turnbuckle right to the outside on the entrance way which again looks beautiful but he kind of almost misses Flair with that one doesn't he it does it's uh, he certainly was going all out with uh with his half flying um it must have been kind of uh running off adrenaline because it, as brave as it was to attempt the first one to uh but then to kind of like uh mess it up and, and nearly kill yourself to try and attempt it again that takes some that takes some balls yeah i'm not sure where i've seen it whether it was a documentary on the network the wwe network or if it was rick's um 30 for 30 documentary i'm not 100 percent sure but flair actually st- says of this match um that it was all sean he said he did his best but sean said to him beforehand just follow me i'll give you the best match you can have and that's what Rick did. He followed Sean and he says Sean carried him to the best match he'd had in years and years. So I mean, it's I mean, wonderful hearing Rick talk that way about somebody who obviously feels strongly about Flair himself. And and how ironic that, that Rick Flair was one of the best ring generals. Uh, he could essentially have a, a great match with uh, somebody who'd never, ever wrestled before. And for him to, uh, to be carried I mean, to a, a great match and, and led by Shawn Michaels just shows how much uh, 
Shawn Michaels meant to him and just how much of a, an amazing wrestler Shawn Michaels actually is. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, back in the ring, Shawn, he, he sort of looks like he's going to go for the sweet chin music, the, the super kick, but can't quite do it. Um, sort of stops, hesitates, and ends up in a figure four. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, Flair then sort of pulls out a few of the old party pieces, a chop block and so on. Uh, there's a figure four again, um, which Sean sells fantastically, doesn't he? The frantic arms flailing around, the yelling at the ref and so on. It really looks like he might actually submit as the crowd are really baying for Sean to tap at this stage, I felt, Max. And he was in that figure four for what seemed like an eternity. Um, yeah. I think it, it, it probably only maybe a minute or so, but the way that he that uh, he sold the, the the pain that he was going through uh, really adds to the the intensity of the match. Uh, but he does eventually uh, get to the ropes and he's able to escape the the figure four. Yeah, yeah. Um, around this time as well, possibly momentarily before, we have a, a, some pretty, I suppose, for want of a better term, standard stuff standard wrestling things that we see from sean and rick in other matches a few atomic drops um sean hits a body slam which then leads to him hitting his, his magnificent top rope elbow drop um and then after that like we said after the figure four moments where sean was selling like a lunatic we get a sweet chin music out of nowhere and and fair looks done and it's it's it's, a, it's such a good super kick he hits it so well so um, perfect i mean you would think that that had killed Ric Flair. It just, yeah. Um, it, you see a lot of uh, wrestlers nowadays doing super kicks. It's, again, kind of like the, uh, the crossbody. It's become a transitional move. Uh, but you can also see where the, those wrestlers don't really make contact with their opponent and there's a lot of leg slapping. One thing that Shawn Michael needs a lot of credit for is he nailed the switching music pretty much every single time he caught it. He caught his opponent round of the chin near enough every single time. There's not many examples of him missing the mark in. He always made it look devastating. Yeah. Some absolutely brilliant super kicks out there. And then again, it's similar to the DDT and, and so on. It frustrates the crap out of me that these moves now don't mean as much as they once did, you know, but, there you go. What can you do, I guess? Um, Flair looks, as Magsy said, looks done. He looks out of it. But he kicks out on a two count to a huge pop from the crowd. And they are they are really playing their part now in this contest, this 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 crowd. They are still cheering Sean to a degree, but they don't want Rick to, to retire, do they, Mags? No, absolutely not. Um, and off this performance, you could you could suggest that Flair still had a decade of wrestling in him because he was just he was just it was like Flair of old, uh, just brilliant working. Uh, Michaels uh, did really well in selling the knee as well, uh, which uh, kind of like um, it, it kind of like give uh, Flair the time to to uh, gather himself and be able to 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 get back up. Um, then we get the low blow without the ref seeing classic Ric Flair. Uh, nearly gets a, a three count from that as well. Yeah, yeah, brilliantly done. He, I mean, Sean, Sean's yelling at Rick to get up so he can hit him with another super kick. Um, but he gets nailed with a low blow, as Magsy says. Uh, but then it sort of turns back around and, and Sean applies a figure four on Flair. 
with a really it's really odd looking figure four isn't it well I, I, it's almost like an inverted figure four um, mm. it's it's still got like all the the pressure on on the 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 the, the knees and, and the legs but yeah it was it was not the standard figure four let's just say that no um, no, it was not. Um, Flair pulls off the bottom turnbuckle here. So as the referee is fixing that, he jabs Shawn Michaels straight in the eye, brilliant. which is just brilliant. Simple heel wrestling from a guy that's getting cheered. Just simple Flair, old school throwbacks. Um, they're both sat seated, then exhausted. They're chopping away at each other as they get to their feet. And then boom, sweet chin music hits again. But there's no cover from Sean this time because one didn't get it done last time. He heads over to the corner. Um, starts over... tuning the band up. The, the, yeah. best, the, the best thing for me is when he starts to tune the band up and then stops because he he knows that the end is coming. And yeah. this is this is the part that always gets a massive lump in my throat. And, and when you, you can talk about wrestling being silly and ridiculous, uh, and at times it absolutely is. Uh, there's a plenty of times when I think, why do I watch this, this, this ridiculous play fighting between two grown adults? But then you get moments like this where you can tell that this was emotional. Um, even though they knew the result, even though they knew what was going to happen, the emotion in this, knowing that your idol, the someone who's wrestled for the best part of forty years, um, and this is this is the the end of his career, and you're gonna you're gonna be uh, basically old yeller in him. Um, Michael stops uh, with the with the tune up the band. He's almost crying, and I, yeah. I it's it's genuine genuine emotion from him he looks down and then uh Shawn michaels um rick flair's on his feet struggling to get back up but he, he's got that that kind of last fart in him uh and he's there clenching his fist telling michaels come on do it finish me finish me and then we get i mean i'm getting goose pimples now just knowing that we're getting to the 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 most infamous part of this match show michaels whispers to to rick i'm sorry i love you switching music and again perfectly placed rick fair goes down like a ton of bricks show michaels gets the pin um and rick flair's career as a wrestler is is over even even the the way he covers rick he hits him with the switching music and drops to his knees before actually going across him. Mm-hmm. Just that little subtle movement there really kind of, it's not like a jump straight into the cover to get the job done. It's almost like a reluctance, even at that stage, right before the cover that to me adds a bit more to the story they're telling. And it's just so, so good, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, after, after the win, you could see that uh, it meant so much to both of them. Uh, they they have a little bit of a, a, a chat. He kissed Ric Flair on the forehead and there's no exuberant celebration like you would get with a Shawn Michaels match. He simply uh, rolls out the ring, walks up the ramp because this is Ric Flair's time. This is his, his, his time to to say goodbye. Uh, and you could see how much the, the, the career and this match in general meant to Ric Flair because he's, he's a blubbering mess of a man 
so emotional, uh, blowing kisses to to the crowd, goes out and, and kisses his family at ringside, who were also all absolutely blubbering messes. And it, it just goes to show how much wrestling can mean to a person. Um, he got He's just cheered and wooed all the way uh, up the ramp, uh, one final um, kiss to the audience and, and goodbye. And yeah, Ric Flair is... His wrestling career is 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 over. Uh, such a, an emotional time. I'm I'm really getting like choked up thinking about it. And yeah, it's um it's. I mean, he he does go and wrestle in TNA, which uh, spoilers still happen. But uh, yeah, it's um it's just one of the best matches that you'll you'll ever see for for just sheer emotion. Yeah, exactly. And I think the. The emotion and, and also the way it was handled after the match is perfect because Sean obviously departs relatively quickly, as you said, Mags, and he he looks emotional. He looks upset without doing too much of that as he leaves, which doesn't take away from Flair being emotional and upset, which he's naturally going to do, naturally going to be. But there is no... Rick, Rick Flair's music doesn't play as sometimes these things happen when somebody's lost a match, but it's been a great effort. They play their music as after the victor has left. There's no music. There's no, there's no nothing. The commentary team stop after a certain point and it's just the sound of the crowd and what you're seeing on the screen. And I think that that sort of real stripped back, um, removal of some of the sizzle, the removal of some of the extras that sometimes WWE pile on top of matches, the, the commentary, the music, the, the razzmatazz and so on, the removal of those and, and taking it right back to the, the simple visuals and emotion by removing something. I think they've really added to that moment. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I totally, totally agree with you. Ah, okay. So there we go then, Magsy. Um, just before we, we go to ratings, there's a, a little bit of a, a another story that, that, perhaps our listeners and uh, may not have heard of and it really shows it well kind of rubber stamps what what these two guys meant to each other so um rick flair did an interview uh, after wrestlemania and he he was talking about what happened after after the match so uh he went backstage went to his locker room uh and he said that Shawn michaels come, comes up to him after the match um and he has this bag with him and he takes out two boxes and inside these boxes are, are matching uh, diamond Rolexes. Uh, and on the face of the, the Rolex, it's got um, a diamond-encrusted number 24, obviously for WrestleMania 24. Uh, he hands one to Rick, and he keeps one. Uh, and they both open open the, the box. And on the back of uh, the, the face of, of Rick Flair's, it's got an, uh, an, in, an inscription engraved, and it says... Uh, Richard Flair, which is obviously Ric Flair's real name, um, versus Shawn Michaels, and it's got in, in quotation marks, to be the man. And then on Shawn Michaels' watch, it's got Richard Flair versus Shawn Michaels, and in quotation marks, you got to beat the man. I just thought that that's a, Why? a classy touch uh, from from Shawn Michaels to and a, a real way to kind of like um, mark the the importance of this match. No, that's that's fantastic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And again, the emotion side of it really plays into 
Uh, what it really plays into me contradicting myself a huge amount, I think, Max, because I've always tried to be quite, um, I suppose quite cold, maybe quite matter of fact when I try and give my ratings on matches and go by primarily what I see in ring when I go for our ratings. Um, but the emotion of this match, the fact that it's my two favorites squaring off and just the whole story they told kind of alter my rating a little bit. I mean, normally we, we go with yourself first. So, so Magsy, that, that's, that's keep with tradition there and, uh, and hear what you have to say with regards to, to your match rating. First of all, my friend. Okay. So I'm, I'm definitely think I'm going to preempt your, your rating. Uh, Whilst we we've said that this is this isn't going to be the most technical match you'll ever see, uh, if you were to look at this as just from the technical standpoint, it's a a, a very basic style of match with a couple of uh, uh, of interesting high spots. But if you take wrestling as a whole uh, and and just realise that the, the technical aspect is is just one facet of the point of a story. Um, this for me um, is one of the best matches that that you will ever be able to watch. Uh, for in terms of the meaning of the story, the passion, the emotion. Um, so, it, it for me, it's also a timeless match. Uh, you can go back, and I mean, we've watched this thirteen years after it, it took place. We could go back to this in twenty more years, and that that emotion and that passion would still be there. You could still feel that that these guys uh, were telling one of the best stories ever told in the wrestling ring. Um, so taking all that into consideration, I cannot give this less than a, a clear score, 10 out of 10. I absolutely love this match that much. So for me, it's a 10 out of 10. Wow. And that is the highest rating you have ever, obviously, because the maximum, the highest you've ever given anything on chain wrestling so far in what we're on 26, 27 episodes. Yeah. And, and, and if you, if you do go back and listen in the archives, you can, I've mentioned quite a few times that I don't really like to give matches perfect scores because I always feel that there's something that can be improved on and, and you will uh, there'll always be a time when there's a better match out there, uh, but there's a a very select few that if they come up on this show, I will give a, a a perfect score because they mean so much to me, and this is one of those matches. Ah, there you go, mate. There you go. Um, I don't quite pull the trigger on the ten out of ten. I'm afraid. Oh, pal. look, letting the side down. I don't quite do it, but what I've got written in front of me is nine point five out of ten. And it's by That's far fair. the highest, the highest I've given it. Um, whereas I contradict myself to a degree by the the in ring product, uh, the actual wrestling itself is always what draws me to wrestling. The storylines and the emotion and so on has always been potentially a bonus to me in recent years. Um, but as I've got older, it's more about what I see in the ring as opposed to potential storylines, maybe, and so on. Um, this is the contradiction to that. It's the storyline, it's the emotion, it's my two favourites of all time. It's it's everything we've just spent the last however long discussing that makes it get the highest marks I've given any match on this show. However, the cynic in me, in-ring, I think in-ring we have seen better matches already. I think, oh, in, I think in-ring we have seen better matches already. And because of that, I can't go the full 10 because I know in the back of my mind... 
I've already seen potentially a better match whilst on this show. But because the emotion and how fantastic this match makes me feel every single time I watch it, I think nine and a half is, is a fair rating for myself, mate. I mean, I, I, I totally understand why. Um, it, it's, it goes along the same lines that, like I said, you, you've seen better technical matches um, and you don't want to kind of like uh, show your cards too early, I suppose. We've seen this match is perfect, but for me, for what I remember it as uh, and the fact that it hasn't diminished in all that time, the fact that just talking about it can give me goose pimples, uh, I can't not give it a 10. But a combined score, mate, of 19.5 out of 20 makes it by far and away the highest rated chain wrestling match so far. And I think it's going to be virtually impossible to beat that score. But obviously we will see as time goes on. Um, uh, and I'm, we certainly will not beat it with next week's pick. Because... Well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> time, time goes on. But next week, I don't think is going to be an option. Um, no. To recap the... Options for next week, we were looking at bad matches because the, we've had some so many great matches before and Magsy and I have already reviewed some absolute stinkers and we tend to have quite a giggle uh, and quite a bit of fun laughing and so on at wrestling's maybe sillier side. Um, we have two options on the poll already, which has never happened before. We're going for a four-way poll here. Um, we have two options on the poll already, selected by Mags and I from you lot out there in Twitterland, the the awesome chain wrestling listeners. Um, we have Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania 20 from the Wrestling Through Life Twitter account. Um, and yeah, that's right. And we have Sting versus Flair, Ric Flair's actual retirement match from the 15th of the 9th, 2011 episode of Impact, suggested by Dan Griffin. Um, Magsy, what's your own personal choice for something dire that we can giggle at next week? Yeah, I mean, both of those are, are great picks, and I would be uh, happy to lose to either of those. But I've got two particular matches in mind. Um, first one is following on from the link of WrestleMania. I think that's the easiest link to follow because uh, there's been so many WrestleManias and there's been quite a few WrestleMania matches that have, have absolutely shit the bed. So my first thought was instantly drawn to um, the Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez. Uh, oh my which, God, I didn't even think of that. That is terrible. Which is an absolutely... <laughs> It's it's a monstrously terrible match. Uh, it'll probably go down um, in history as, as as if not the worst WrestleMania match, at, at least top three, because that is such a, a horrendous, horrendous match. Um, but I'm actually tempted to go with, uh, with the Shawn Michaels link. So Shawn Michaels, uh, for me... Uh, outside Stone Cold Steve Austin did the perfect wrestling retirement um, when he when he uh, finished after his second run um, he stayed away um, and he kind of like gave back to the business with his work in NXT but very recently uh, and due oh, to an no. influx of, uh, of uh, Saudi Arabia oil slash blood money uh, he was tempted back into wrestling for 
for one last match. And yet, unfortunately, this is probably going to be my pick. Um, he and his uh, former DX cohort, Triple H, uh, tuned up the old band to take on the Brothers of Destruction, uh, Undertaker and Kane. And this match is an absolute car crash. It's so bad. It's unreal. Um, ironically, the the best actual wrestler at the time in this match, Triple H, uh, he tore his peck pretty early on, so he was he was off the shelf. Kane's uh, mask came off in the match, uh, and Shawn Michaels, despite not wrestling for I think it was about eight years since he retired, was probably the best wrestler in this match. Um, it was it was disgustingly bad, and even he has come out and said he uh, he regrets coming back and, and this being his, his last match. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, from Crown Jewel 2018, D-Generation X versus the Brothers of Destruction. Magsy. That, that's awful, but it's also... <laughs> it's also... Um, might surprise a few people to hear this. Um, I'm... I make no qualms at all I, I, I don't hide the fact at all about my adoration for Shawn Michaels even though the guy was a dick for a, a big part of his career I, I love Shawn Michaels I loved Shawn bad guy Shawn in the early 90s I was you know when he wore the leather jacket and the sunglasses and threw Jesse through the window watching that match at, well watching that moment um, as a 10 11 year old in my uncle's bedroom on his little tiny portable I just thought that guy looks so cool not really understanding I was supposed to hate him when he beat the bulldog for the IC title, I was probably the only person in England who was happy. This this deranged, you know, this deluded little kid who who thought Sean was it. His comeback matches, all of this stuff, his his initial DX run. I make no secret about my adoration and fandom of Shawn Michaels. I've never seen this match. Well. I've never sat and watched hope, this match. Hope that it does up with the poll so you don't have to be uh, put through the, the torment of seeing your your wrestling hero look bang average I was working when it was on with the thought process of I will watch it when I get home um, by the time I got home I'd heard how awful it was I was already undecided about watching it because if, if we were going to get a Shawn Michaels comeback, I wanted it to be a WrestleMania match against a Daniel Bryan or an AJ Styles or something that would be you know, ticking the boxes as a wrestling fan. When this happened, I was excited that Shawn was going to wrestle again, but the fact it was in Saudi Arabia didn't sit well. The fact that it was kind of hobbled together because of the Saudi money didn't sit well. The fact that he didn't have the hair didn't sit well. <laughs> um, so I ended up after reading reports about how bad it was on the way home, never watching this match. So there we go. This could be quite a historic moment for me watching a Shawn Michaels match. I've never seen before. So, but maybe my choice will sway people in a different direction. Mags. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something similar to yourself with regards to you've used Shawn Michaels as the fairly straightforward link, just jumping across from one match to another with the same competitor. So I've done a couple of times in the past, you know, um, I'm going to do that with Mr. Flair. 
And it's a match I've suggested before that didn't win the poll. Um, I suggested it out of a temper tantrum about thinking through the fact that I've got to watch it. But I can't think of anything much worse than this. So we're just going to use Ric Flair as the link. And we are going to go back to Uncensored 1996 in WCW. And we are going to go to the infamous Doomsday Cage match between... Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage on one team. And they faced Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Meng, the Barbarian, Lex Luger, the Taskmaster, Z Gangster, and the Ultimate Solution, who were accompanied by Woman, Miss Elizabeth, and Jimmy Hart in a Doomsday Cage match. 25 minutes of freaking awfulness of WCW tickling Hogan's bollocks and feeding his ego for him a match that makes no sense as they run through all the heels and it's, it's awful. It's terrible. So to me, it ticks a lot of the boxes when we're looking for something crap. It, it certainly does. It's a, a horrific, horrific match. So horribly fought out as well, but uh, I hope it doesn't win because I don't want to watch it. You just want me to get upset about Sean wrestling with no hair, don't you? It's a sack. It's definitely a sack. <laughs> okay, so to recap, the first ever four-way um, chain wrestling poll, we have from our Twitter people, uh, our listeners out there, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 20. We have Sting versus Ric Flair from the 2011 September 2011 episode of Impact. We have Shawn Michaels and Triple H versus Kane and The Undertaker from Crown Jewel in 2018. And we have the Doomsday Cage match where Hogan and Savage face a weird Dungeon of Doom horseman, every bad guy in the company kind of team in a weird cage. And, and it's just nonsense. Four matches that can be described as dire, as shite, as awful which is the point of this week's poll. Don't vote for the one you like. Vote for the one you think is the worst. And me and Mags will suffer through it and hopefully provide some comedy, gold, and entertainment for you next week. Unless I have to watch Sean wrestle with no hair. In which case, Mags, I'll be poorly next week. You'll have to get a standing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to watch these awful matches so you don't have to. There we go, mate. There we go. Um, before we jump to the last little bit and go through all of our social media links, Magsy, you have a new podcast. Would you care to share the details with the wonderful chain wrestling listeners and the people out there in Twitter land, my friend? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, yeah, um, since uh, Badlands came to an end, uh, there's been a a podcast-shaped hole in my life. Um, and um, I also, Badlands had a, had a spot on Chairshot Radio, which uh, uh, is a great team to work with, and I really wanted to keep that, that link going. Um, so after a few weeks of, of that, just uh, R&R, I suppose, from, from the, the weekly grind of, of, of Badlands, um, I felt, again, the, the urge to create again. Um, so I put a few feelers out to, to some people who I really wanted to to, to work with, uh, and I, I came up with an idea that I had um, pretty much from the beginning of my uh, kind of podcasting journey. It was always a, a project that I wanted to do, uh, but just never really kind of had the 
the confidence that I could pull it off um, because it, the subject really it meant a lot to me. It was it was uh, a period of, of of wrestling that I was the most invested, um, and I wanted to to be in a place where I, I felt I could do it justice. And back in my early kind of podcasting career, uh, as it were, I didn't think uh, I'd be able to pull it off. Uh, so with Badlands going by the wayside, it, it, it gave gave me an opportunity to perhaps revisit that. Um, so essentially, the the idea is to to go back and watch uh, the Attitude Era of, of, of WWF uh, and watch it week by week uh, as if we were watching it as it happened, but then critique it uh, through um, 2021 ads and kind of like see what kind of stands up today and what kind of uh, uh, falls by the wayside because we a lot of people look at the Attitude Era with rose-coloured glasses uh, yeah. and then a, a lot of people uh, kind of understand that Essentially, it was a lot of shit thrown up against the wall, uh, and and basically seeing what stuck, and kind of like the mindset of wrestling fans back then uh, were uh, totally different to the mindset of wrestling fans now, uh, aiming for two totally uh, different kind of demographics. So I wanted to kind of compare and contrast to uh, how I felt watching it live, and then how I felt I feel about watching it now, uh, and 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 kind of like seeing the the differences. So I, I really wanted to do a, a long-term project with a friend of mine called uh, Ori. Uh, we've had some uh, great project, uh, great uh, content with with her doing a, a progress podcast, and and she's been on uh, while we're watching Badlands before. And also um, I wanted to involve uh, Tanner because we we have a great chemistry with our with our radio techers. He was kind of moving away from headlock talk, so it kind of like ticked all the boxes. But what we've actually we've actually looked out uh, in terms of our kind of histories with uh, with uh, with the attitude era. So with with me, I was a dad in the wool WF fan. Uh, I didn't watch any WCW. It was all WF from my point of view. Then we had Tanner, who was a channel hopper. Uh, he would uh, constantly flip between Raw and Nitro, so he's got a, a, a kind of a different viewpoint to me. And then Ori never actually got into wrestling until just after the Attitude Era. Uh, her kind of introduction was around the kind of like uh, the the ruthless aggression style era. So we've got three totally different kind of uh, memories of the Attitude Era. Uh, so oh, I think that's that brilliant. It, yeah, it really makes us some interesting talking points. Plus, uh, uh, there was a, a kind of a, um, I wanted to take a different kind of approach to it as well. I didn't want uh, to be kind of like a, a host and a co-host uh, kind of um, um, relationship. Um, these these are two uh, people who I, I really enjoy talking to, and I wanted them to feel like it was their project as well, not just kind of like the 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 bystanders to my project. So we're taking the approach where there's not one particular host. So one week I may take the lead. I'll have, I'll bring my ideas and my kind of segments to the show. Then another week Tanner may take the lead, and he has uh, different kind of viewpoints, different kind of questions that he wants to bring up. And then another week uh, Oriel uh, take the lead, and she'll bring her own ideas to the to the table. So it's it's hopefully going to keep it fresh and keep it entertaining, and and uh, each week is going to be different. Uh, so yeah, it's a uh, it's called a change in attitude. 
obviously with uh we were having a, a secondary look at the attitude era um it's uh the first episode is actually due, due to drop today uh as we're recording which is like the uh, 31st of, of may um so by the time you you're listening to this it should already be uh be out uh you can find it on uh, the chair shot group um but yeah we'll be going week to week um basically watching the roars and the pay-per-views and, and giving our kind of thoughts and opinions on it. So we've we've recorded uh, a few episodes in advance. We actually didn't start at the the kind of like official start of the Attitude Era, which uh, a lot of people say is the Montreal Screwjob. We went back a little bit before that to... Uh, we went back to the genesis of, of the arguably the biggest player in uh, the Attitude Era, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So we went back to King of the Ring, uh, 1996, uh, where we get the birth of Austin 316. Um, so for the first few episodes, we were kind of in that transition period between the the uh, the kind of uh, uh, gimmick job era moving into the, the kind of attitude era. So uh, we're going to see that the whole genesis of this kind of that new wave of, of aiming for the 18 to 30s demographic. Uh, so hopefully it's going to be a, a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a fairly long-term project, hopefully. So yeah, just uh, go and uh, subscribe to Chairshot uh, Radio Network and, and uh, yeah, hopefully you give us a listen and you enjoy it as much as we're enjoying making it. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. It sounds absolutely fantastic. The fact that you've got the the three different viewpoints mm-hmm. is, is brilliant. Um, the time frame you're starting in as well, I think, is fascinating because I think you're right when you say, "Oh, you know, Montreal screw job." You get the Mister McMahon character from that, uh, and so on. Um, and the actually there already kicks off from there, but the seeds were sown beforehand, mm-hmm. and. You, seeing the sort of slow transition of of going from as you mentioned the one era into there i think is going to make for absolutely fascinating content and and i'm i cannot wait to to hear this show when it comes out and and listen to it every single week um there's a twitter for it already back isn't there do you want to plug that very quick yeah there is it's uh it's certainly not one that I uh, uh, already owned. Wink, um, but yeah, it's a it's <laughs> A C I A as in like a change in attitude, uh, but abbreviated A C I A podcast. Uh, uh, so yeah, come and give us a follow. I'm sure there'll be uh, links to it in this description. Uh, but yeah, come and get involved. Uh, there's also uh, an email address if you want to give feedback. And that's uh, a change in attitude podcast at gmail.com. We uh, would totally uh, appreciate people uh, giving their views and their thoughts of, of the episode. And like we, like we said, we, we watch it week by week um, and uh, pay per view by pay per view. So it's it's relatively easy to to uh, keep. Uh, keep up with the schedule and and even like jump ahead to the next show if you want to give your thoughts on the upcoming show and we'll, we'll uh, certainly integrate them into the podcast my wife's going to love that more weekly wrestling that I can watch that's got relevance to a podcast I'm listening to but not relevance <laughs> to anything she's doing it's going to be brilliant <laughs> no I'm really looking forward to it Max I, I can't wait to hear it I mean I, I, I was a big fan of um, why we watch I was a big fan of Badlands it felt quite sad to me when they were they, they were sort of uh, came to their end, I guess, um, because that you know there were two shows that I went on. First time I ever spoke to yourself. First time I was ever on a podcast, so they had a special place in my heart as well. Um, hearing 
obviously i listened to talk at the table as well with yourself uh, and that's been on hiatus for a little while so hearing that you've got another project coming out wrestling wise that i can listen to weekly i really look forward to it i look forward to listening to tanner talk wrestling who i know through radio techers but not necessarily as much through wrestling content as well that's going to be fascinating for me and Ori, i don't know a great deal about either so i'm really looking forward to uh so the three of you mixing it up and talking about a fantastic, interesting, and kind of up and down varied time frame in wrestling. So everyone, I strongly recommend um, chucking the show a follow, giving it a listen when it comes out. We'll, we'll plug the crap out of it all over the chain wrestling, social media, Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, don't sleep on it. Don't miss it. Don't think, oh, I'll catch up later. Get on it from episode one uh, uh, and join the trio for, for this journey. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. No problem. Um, okay, very, very quickly, because I think people might have forgotten, we'll run through the poll one last time. Uh, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, WrestleMania 20. Sting versus Flair. Um, episode of Impact from September 2011. Doomsday Cage match um, from Uncensored 96. And DX versus the Brothers of Destruction from Crown Jewel 2018. Four awful matches. Vote for the match that you think is the worst. And me and Mags will watch it and suffer for your benefit. Um, Magsy, do I let everyone know whereabouts they can find you online, my friend? Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter at Podfather Mag, still kind of getting used to the fact that I've changed my Twitter handle after about 12 years of being on Twitter. But yeah, at Podfather Mags, where you can find links to all the, the amazing content that I am uh, carried on by uh, by other podcasters better than I. <laughs> There's not many of them, mate. Trust me. There's not many of them. Um, you can find me on Twitter at SJP words. Uh, but most importantly, you can find the show on Twitter at chain underscore wrestling, where you can find links to the episodes. You can find, um, our non wrestling topics to respond to and get involved with. Um, and also most importantly, you can find the weekly poll that this week we are looking for your worst match of the four options something new something different something interesting let's just see how it goes so yeah that's uh at chain underscore wrestling um i'm off now to drink a shit ton of booze and see if i can miss something that's pretty awesome um magsy i'll speak to you next week my friend see you later bye bye <laughs>